Like my parents are going, what the actual f- is going on with this world yeah. where you could be a multimillionaire and all you do is sit on your ass and people watch you play a game. Yeah. The people watching don't even get to play the game. They're watching you. It's like, well, here we are. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Remind Podcast. My name's David Masterton, and I'm joined with the wonderful Dr. Ashley Morland. How are you going today, Ash? Awesome. Ready to talk all things gaming addiction. Especially for parents. I mean, there's going to be some parents there going, oh, this topic really hits home. It does. It does. We've experienced it. I think you've experienced it. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. Um, anytime you think about, uh, well, parents talking to other parents, it's sort of like, well, how much technology do you do you, do you give your kid? Yeah, the it's whole a, screen time chat. Absolutely. And, you know, if I let them on for X amount of time, am I a good parent or a bad parent? Yeah. Um, then if I have other things to do, I don't have capacity. It's the technological babysitter. Yes. And then... You got some really extremes where kids are, you know, I'll say hooked, addicted, whatever the terminology you want to use, to gaming where there's a visceral effect on them when yeah. you say, put it down, turn it, yeah. turn it off, take it away, all of those type of things. So, and gaming is becoming a much bigger factor in our life, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Um, so, it's going to be a fairly big episode. On And if you've probably clicked on it, it's going to be along the lines of, okay, well, generally we're going to be talking about the overall issues of gaming or the perceived issues, but also probably focusing on kids or when it gets, when it gets to a point where like any addiction, some of it's okay, but has to be measured. But when it stops you from doing things and functioning as a normal human being, that's where it uh, becomes a problem. And as a parent, using gaming as a way to help connect with your kids, that's going yeah. to be quite a cool thing that we're going to talk about as well. So, 100%. And I think that's, that's so cool, isn't it? Because there's so much pressure out there vilifying screen time. And mm-hmm. I have definitely fallen into that camp at times as well, especially out of frustration when I'm like, ah, that bloody screen because Mm -hmm. there's such a drastic shift in my kids how they are in their emotional regulation the way that they engage with each other their sleep there's so many flow and effects that can come from screen time if you kind of don't know what you're doing with it or if you Mm. there's a lack of boundaries or even not monitoring the the content that they're engaging with or playing Development. That's, that's even really difficult as well because Huge. with such, with YouTube Shorts, TikTok, yep. Instagram Reels, all of these things that kids are eventually finding their way to, one scroll to the next, they don't know what they're going to get, and so you know, absolutely it's becoming quite an interesting challenge. So it is, and this it's so multifaceted because when we have this conversation, it's so important to remember that. No two kids are the same. And and mm. you and I were having an offline chat around it's what kids get out of it. So, you know, for one kid, screen time can be escapism. Yeah. And screens and games can just provide them a, an escape from real mm. life 
you know, bullying or stresses or anxiety or whatever. And games can be so immersive. I mean, even with the advancement of AI or VR or AR, (laughs) games Mm. are increasingly immersive in nature, which really preys on developing minds because children up until a certain level of development really struggle to differentiate between reality and imaginary. Mm. So um, when when real life is quite challenging, that imaginary life can feel real to them. So escapism is a huge one. But then for the next kid, it might be they're getting social interaction out of it. It might be a dopamine hit mm. from the instant gratification. It might be that they're really it's really engaging content. So if someone's into Dungeons and Dragons, for instance, then yep. you know they're getting something out of that because they're really into that type of mm. content. Um, there's so many factors that play into this. Mm. And I'll talk from my own experience with my two kids. So in the household, we've got a Nintendo Switch, a PlayStation 5, a laptop for each of the children, one because of school, one because there was a spare one left over, and my own sort of computer setup, which is mostly for video and all of that, but it's an absolute weapon when it comes to gaming. I've never needed to use it as gaming because I'm personally, I don't game. Haven't done since probably the Super Nintendo days, and I'm showing my age now. Back when I was, you know, 14 and maybe Street Fighter, I used to get blisters on my thumbs trying to do all the the moves and playing it. But after that, couldn't get into anything. So the kids started really getting into probably about a year, year and a half in, I go, maybe two years ago, three years ago, actually, I'll probably say, into Minecraft. And I'm like, okay. And they'll be playing it and you'd be telling them to put it down and they'll say five more minutes, ten more minutes. Yeah, what is it? What are you doing? And then more recently, um, their cousins had been in Minecraft because they're older for a lot longer. And they started playing together. And I thought, you know, what would be interesting is this to kind of find out exactly what the kids are getting out of it. And so I organized a joint server where all of the kids can play together in a private server their own world their own challenges their own they, they build something that's always going to be there but they can all play together and then that was my first sort of step into it and I started playing it and it's not really for me I like building stuff and there's different things but what I found from that was especially for my youngest was he used to get his creative hit elsewhere. Like he would get really frustrated if he wasn't running around and expressing himself that way. Then that stopped working. But you put him and he's there building houses and castles and all of these things in Minecraft. And I started realizing this is now a creative expression. He's actually building. Mm. At the same time when he's watching some stuff he's showing me on I think it was YouTube kids or something these clips of people allegedly in the jungle building their own huts and houses from scratch and I'm not sure if you've seen them before and they build they dig out and they build pools and they make their own concrete and all of that 
And he's going right into, Dad, I want to build a house behind your house. You know, I want to, I want to build my own little thing. And so I started to say, oh, it's creative expression now happening in Minecraft. And Minecraft's a fairly PG game, but, and we're going to come into this a lot. Violent games are a majority. And that's coming from someone who doesn't really game a lot. But you look at the you look at that, there's going to be some sort of violence involved. The biggest hitters, like Grand Theft Auto, Fortnite, um, Call of Duty. Um, there's some there's some sort of violence involved. And I know that other people who are much more into gaming know a lot more than me, probably rattle off a lot more than some will say. There's simulators, yeah, but I'm talking about the big, heavy-hitting retail games, the ones that have a lot going on or a lot of users. So, but in Minecraft, it's PG, but you still get attacked by zombies and spiders and things like that when you're in survival mode. It's part of the, the whole gameplay. And so I started to understand that. And from there, when I'm joining in and playing with William, he's really excited that I'm there. And I think I was saying off air, there tends to be a bit of a, they start to see you in a different light as opposed to someone who's just completely absent from their world. And I was speaking to someone else about this particular thing as well. And if you've got a kid or anyone who you feel has a gaming addiction and they're spending majority of their waking hours gaming, and you don't understand or you're not in their world or you don't figure anything there, as an outsider, you won't be able to touch them because you're not in their world. Mm. You're not interested. And um, But if you dive in and have a bit of a go and have a bit of a try, now suddenly you're starting to get within their sphere of influence because well, for yeah. whatever reason, good or bad, they're there getting something from this. So you're either a complete outsider just telling them to stop doing what they enjoy or what's helping them, or you get in there and they start playing with them. And this has moved on more recently where William moved into Fortnite, which is a, a shooting game, and I wasn't terribly thrilled about it. Um. But he'd been playing it a fair a fair bit. And I then decided to go, well, what is it about this that he's getting from it? So I started, I downloaded what I needed to and I started playing it because in a lot of these games now, it's not necessarily so much about you sit down by yourself and you're playing by yourself mm. against the computer. I'm finding a lot more that where people are playing, they're playing and they're chatting. Either mm. it's keyboard typing or more more prominently, it's going to be voice chat either through Discord or through the voice channel within the actual game itself. And so I started diving in, in there and I started playing with William and William's sister, so my, my daughter, started playing Fortnite as well. And so all three of us are playing. And now their cousin's been playing for years. So I'm an absolute noob. I'm an absolute, I'm a, I'm like a grandpa in this thing. Just running around going, what's happening? What's going on? Da, 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 da. 
but the kids are loving it. They're loving the fact that I'm just there. And I think a lot of the stuff we've spoken about before is the best way you can be there for someone who needs help is to simply show up Mm. no matter what's happening. And so um, side note, I'm starting to enjoy Fortnite, so I have been playing it uh, um, by myself. And I've got to say the closeness that you get, like I'm 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 very close to my kids, Um, 50% custody, but when I have them, We are very close. We talk all the time and it's gotten even tighter. And with William being an eight-year-old, he's also learning concepts on how to share, on how he feels. Because if he gets a bit too hot-headed because it is a combat game, we'll, we'll go offline and we'll talk about it. And so... Even the connection with the, the 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 cousin. So by just being present in there and just it doesn't mean you have to be there all the time. You actually get a window into what they're getting. They will communicate with you if you're there. If they, you know, and again, there might be some adolescent teens that says, "Mum, Dad, stay the hell away from me while I'm gaming." Well, there's a clue in that. Why is that? What are they protecting you from? What are they protecting themselves from? I think adolescence is a key part of that, actually, because in early life, there's we're still wired for that connection. Mm. Adolescence, it's actually a really important aspect of adolescence for that differentiation to occur. We're literally killing off neurons so that we can be differentiated from our Mm. parents and be more neurologically driven to pursue relationships and friendships and independent of our parents and our family. So I love what you're saying about children in those younger age groups, children in those younger years who are engaging with gaming, they're getting something out of it. What Mm. is it that they're getting out of it? And in my work, you know, this really has come up a lot lately. I've had multiple people um, in as clients who are experiencing children with gaming addictions in mm. or, or screen addictions in one way, one shape or another. And that's what I'm seeing is that when I start to understand the dynamics of the household, in one example, it might be emotionally distant parents. So when we talk about addiction of any kind, not just gaming addiction, but addiction of any kind, quite often that addiction serves a purpose of connection and certainty or significance Mm. um so i see a lot and to be honest i was probably a little bit naive in this and this would be my advice previously would be to just take it away and that was my approach previously with my children agreed same absolutely having said that and it's not easy to take it away when people say that that is the easy approach that's certainly not an easy thing to do because when you're dealing with addiction there's withdrawals there's backlash um, mm. my son in particular would get extremely self-loathing and he would be violent and ho- saying horrible things as well mm. and so taking it away certainly wasn't the easy approach because his whole brain had to process the come down of the chemical cocktail that was constant stimulation and mm. escapism and taking him away from that reality so it was like crashing back to earth mm. um, however I love in 
our conversations that you have helped me see a different thing because the reason it was safe for me to do that is because there is connection and closeness and emotional closeness in our family. So mm. that isn't a suitable outcome for everyone. Like if every every person came to me who had a child with a gaming addiction, it's actually not a safe option to say to everyone, we'll just take it away. Because if you take the game away, when the child actually feels insignificant, unloved, there's no emotional connection, closeness or vulnerability, particularly with caregivers if they're under the age of about 15, 14 mm. even. Um, that, like what's on the other side of this? To be honest, a really common thing that I hear is that the child will say, I just want to die or they'll threaten suicide. Which yeah, is, or, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll run away. Yeah, yeah it's, it's another, a, another big one. Yeah. And those behaviours are scary from the parent's perspective, but when you look mm. at it and go, if this game is where this person is getting connection, they feel mm. like they matter, they're achieving things, they're, they're reaching goals, and you know what? They're not real-life goals. They're gaming goals, but to the brain it doesn't matter. Mm. It can't tell the difference between imagination and reality. So from that perspective, if you take that away, it's almost like that has become the meaning of life because neurologically that's what the brain is doing but if you take that away and don't fill the gap it would be like deciding that the wall in your house you're going to extend your house or you're going to change the house maybe the wall is rotted and it's bad mm. and you knock the rotten wall out and then don't do anything with but it then don't don't yeah. do anything you don't fill the hole yeah well, then, if it's an outside wall then you're going to let the, the like <laughs> problem exactly it's going to be a big mm. problem right so from my perspective, when we have removed that that thing, the, the screen or the game or whatever it is, mm. there has been stuff to fill the gap. We'll spend more time outside. We'll go away. We'll play. And part of that play and engagement is connection and closeness mm. and communication. So my kids are not necessarily engaging in games for the connection piece. But I see definitely for my son, there tends to be a little bit more of a desire for um, escapism. And mm -hmm. I think that's a, a sensory thing to an extent. Like it's just mm. something that he can do in a dark room and <laughs> just escape a bit, chill out. Mm. Um, so having spaces and other activities and options for him to be able to get that, in the absence of screens, he will pick up a book. And he'll immerse himself in a book and he gotcha. is totally calm, totally chill, mm. totally regulated. So if that kid never had screens ever again, he would be okay because he's got another thing to fill the gap of this is my downtime. This is what I like to do as downtime. Mm. But in those situations where like thankfully your children aren't experiencing this because you do have a close relationship, but there mm. are many, many, many households out there where parents are emotionally distant, where there might be conflict in the marriage, where there might be situations where either intentionally or not, there might be absent parents because they're working 24-7 or because they're never home or because mm. they, they're, you know, any scenario. When a child has unmet emotional needs, which are absolutely evolutionary, biologically significant certainty and connection, they will seek it anywhere else. Mm. And so if your children are gaming, 
then I love what you're saying about give them that significance and the connection by gaming with them. Yeah, and I mean it's not for everyone because I mean gaming yeah. is a none of these solutions is, are. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's but it's one of those things where you absolutely try and like there's 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 so many different facets that I'm learning about it because especially with my nieces and nephews who are older than than my kids, they'll tend to stay up late at night, mm. early into the morning, yeah, to to do it as well. So then there's a sleep pattern thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And so then they stay up all night and then sleep all day. Mm-hmm. And then you go try and get that routine back in check. But I'm, I get the feedback from them. And it's like, well, that's when most of their friends are online, talking, playing, talking, yes. swapping between games, um, doing things like that. Because you could be talking to someone while, while one's playing one game and the other one's playing another game, unless you're actually in a team sort of combat ready game, you need to be focused and just talking to the, the people that you're in the in the game with. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think I think this oh my gosh, this is like you pull on one little loose thread and the whole thing unravels, doesn't it? Yeah. Because when we look at it, like um there was a great documentary. What was it called? It was about social media and oh my gosh, I've just had a mental blank. Um was it the social experiment or something like that? Social Not experiment sure. bringing about. Yeah, but was, I, I, I can't a, remember the name, but it was, yeah. There was a documentary and it, mm. it talked about the way that all these platforms are built. And you've got to understand that this is a business and there's very there's a such thing as neuromarketing. Neuromarketing they want is you on this they want they yeah. want to be on your screen so, as much so as possible. It's a major people metric. make money out of mm. you spending time playing their games. That's the reality. So yep. When you can manipulate through design strategies, like how can we optimize engagement? So quite often they'll do that through the colors that are used, the fast pace flashing. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll be design strategies like how you level up, the achievements you get, how you're rewarded, the progression systems. It'll be how are you... How are you hooked in to make this that experience so compelling and so immersive and so engaging that mm. you become addicted to that purely through the design strategies of the game? And, and it's social a, it's interaction a fear, and yeah. multiplayer games is a modern design strategy because mm. it is human nature to seek connection. And this is where like, look at AI, like my husband and I were just listening to a podcast recently about AI sex robots and how you can have full-blown conversations with them, just like Alexa, except it's yeah, a okay. robot in the form of a female human. And yeah, okay. Like a doll. A doll, effectively, yeah, yeah. except you can have conversations and it, it is like frighteningly real except there's no sentience there's no actual emotional connection other than attachment and addiction Mm. and we're sort of having this conversation I'm like man this is actually terrifying because again our humanness has been utilized as a marketing and sales tool to get people as hooked and engaged in these games as possible. So this brings about the conversation as which game uh, is are we okay with them playing? And oh, there are some exactly. games for my kids mm. where I'm just like the shift in them 
after even half an hour exposure to certain games and even Netflix shows. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain shows, Teen Titans Go is a great example. My kids love watching <laughs> yes. Teen Titans Go. But the sound effects that are used, the colours mm. that are used and how fast-paced that is, it's if you watch it, the frames are so fast. They're constantly changing and that upregulates the... Um, Have you noticed they yell a lot? Yes. Or they're always screaming and the particular YouTubers as well. Uh, for kids, when, 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 when they when they stream, there's a real hype in their voice. Yes, because if ever you hear someone talking, and you know you and I are talking very calm, yeah. But if suddenly we started yelling at each other, didn't change the words, you get a physiological response. Absolutely, everyone's ears going to prick up. They're going to be driving or doing something. They're going to be, what the hell is going on? Like I'm I'm ready. What's 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 wrong? And there's yeah. a lot of that that goes on. And it, and it works. And so that's what the kids are experiencing and you're not going to stop it. And here's, yeah. here's the thing. They'll find it somewhere or you might do the world's best job of defending your children from all of that and they pop out of your house at 18 years old into this world that is full of all of this and then walk out the front door, go in the fetal position because they don't know how to handle what's going on. Yeah, and to an extent I agree with that. The level that I don't is that the development from a brain and mind perspective of an 8, 9, 10-year-old is very different to an 18-year-old, even though an 18-year-old still doesn't have a fully developed brain. Mm. But in terms of the, the exposure to the same stimulus at 18 has a very vastly different effect neurologically and behaviorally on an eight, nine or 10 year old. And so that's my big consideration, even with Mm. movies or or anything, games, movies, any kind of media. And I'm very mindful of that because screen time isn't equal. It's not made equal as to whether or not you're on a word processor typing up an assignment as opposed to watching Teen Titans Go that's super flashy as mm. opposed to watching a game like Minecraft that's a little more innocuous and a little slower paced. And yeah. the thing Versus I like about Grand Minecraft. Theft Auto. <laughs> exactly, right? And so we have to bring some level of consciousness and mindfulness to this mm. because they're not evil. The thing is, I guess at the end of the day, one of the things I really enjoy about us chatting is this there's no black or white. There's no, oh, mm. gaming is bad. Oh, screens are bad. Oh, social media is bad. It's not about that. It's about going, we need to have a little bit of awareness around how we use it. It's a tool. Gaming, when we do it in community, when it brings us closer together, when it uplifts us, mm. when it connects us, when it gives us things to talk about, can be a really beautiful tool for enhancing um, emotional connection, emotional development, all of those beautiful things. Mm. But it can also be used, like you said, as a digital babysitter. It can also mm. be a tool used for isolation. So there, there's different ways we can use these tools, just like social media. Social media can be a tool that we use to connect in healthy ways, to uplift each other, to be inspired, to be motivated. But equally, social media can be a tool that exacerbates isolation and loneliness and bullying and and all these things. So Mm. that for me is a huge consideration and I'm really grateful for you opening my eyes to a different use of the tool and a different approach depending on the context. 
because it, um, it is a it is a tool. It's sort of like that. They they don't just wake up in the morning and just sort of go. I really want to be isolated from my family. They what they're trying to do is they want to feel good, happy, grounded in their body, or they want to feel some excitement. They want to feel something. It's just that there's this been this label, especially in my generation, where it's sort of like gaming's a waste of time. Yeah. However, gaming's turning into something where mum and dad, hey, guess what? You can make a huge amount of money sitting on your ass and gaming and have huge amount of people watch you play mm-hmm. games. Yeah. Like my parents are going, what the actual f- is going on with this world yeah. where you could be a multimillionaire and all you do is sit on your ass and people watch you play a game. Yeah. The people watching don't even get to play the game. They're watching you. It's like, well, here we are. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? It's where are we going to be in 10 years' time? Because this ain't getting any slower. (laughs) No, it's like the advancements are, you know, as you said before, we're now, you know, moved from a blow up doll to something you can talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, It's incredible. And so when the kids pop out as adults, because for me, fundamentally as a parent, one goal, one goal only. Take the child, make them a functioning adult in the society they're going to be in yeah. when they leave your house. Yeah. And so. Absolutely. I- and I think something that is very dangerous is children, uh, is adults can, I guess, abdicate their responsibility a little bit. You don't get to be disappointed that your kids are getting connection online when they're not connecting with you. Hmm. And so and if you have if yeah. you have trauma, if you have wounding, if you have anything in the way that makes you need to isolate, you need to numb out, mm. you need to not be emotionally or mentally present, then they still have that need. And so if you're not capable mm. of meeting that need, they're going to get it met somewhere else. Absolutely. And that is pure biology, purely driven by literally evolution and their brain so Mm. one of the biggest things which is what I I was coming back to with what I was saying before is that if you take it away but yet the world you're creating without it still lacks them feeling like they matter them feeling like the fact that they are even here on this earth breathing oxygen makes the world a better place the fact that you love Mm. them and you see them and you are interested in the things that they find interesting that you hear them that you have like they have a safe space that their name is safe in your mouth that their you know their heart is safe in your hands Mm. if they don't have that and they are seeking that from people who are strangers through a screen and you take that away there is a very good chance that they will not be able to cope with life, that life will become too much. Mm. And that's what I see and that's scary because sometimes adults are not ready to turn towards their own pain and so the only thing that they can do is keep their kid alive enough, feed them, clothe them, Mm. give them a roof over their head and hope for the best. Yeah, and look, this is not a, you know, you're stuffed unless you, you know, go into a, two-year hibernation where you become the most complete version of yourself. Not even but, remotely. Exactly. <laughs> it but, really doesn't take much to turn towards and connect with It's just a little bit. And because I think this is something you've said before, correction without connection equals trauma. Trauma, right? Yes. Now, if you're not connecting with your kid and you take away their 
console or internet or whatever it is. Through that's a correction, correction because a you correction. don't like the behavior of the gaming. Or you don't like what the, what you're hearing. Like yeah. suddenly, you know, that's too violent. You're going to end up very violent. I'm going to come back to this violence piece as well because that's something I've struggled with as well. William, I, I'm okay with you playing basic games, but, you know, something that rewards headshots is not sort of something that, you know, I was, I was really – it took me a while to think through this. But – how do you, how are you going to find that connection when their world, I'll go back to something I said earlier, if 50, 60, 70, 80, 90% of the world is gaming, even if you do the best as you can outside of the gaming world and 90% of their world is gaming and you're the best parent ever, you're only going to connect with them 10% because yeah. you've got no hope of touching within understanding what where, what they're dealing with in the gaming world. Now, I'm not suggesting you stay up with them all night, set up a gaming studio, even though that would be cool. Um, but just get in there and try and find a way. And it might, it might be difficult at the start. I can imagine if I was doing this and William was like 16 and we didn't have a close relationship and I'm trying to correct him on, mate, you really need to do something outside of sitting on your butt playing Fortnite. Um, and if I say to him, Hey mate, let's, um, let's play together. Oh, go away, mate. Like oh, I'm not, I'm not interested. Mm. Keep at it because if there's something in there, you know, add some rewards to it. If you are going to be, and I'll come back to that. If you take the game away, then basically what you're teaching the child is no game equals punishment. Mm-hmm. So their bodies are now connecting. If I'm without game, I am being punished. Yeah. And I know this makes it almost, it feels like it makes it almost absolutely impossible for a parent to be able to do something right here. Because they're like, how the hell do we navigate this? We will get to it at the end of this, trust yeah. us. Stay to the end. But just understand this is what the, the child's going through. And from an adult, you're there going, well, I didn't need games. I mean, what games did we have when we were growing up? I know I'm a lot older than you, Ash, but you know, playing playing games then was not half as <laughs> immersive as they are now. Yeah, and it took me to actually jump into their world to realise that. And who would have thought like an eight-bit looking Minecraft scenario with endless worlds would be so immersive? Well, it yeah. is. So and it's so true. It is. Because it's still meeting a need. And I think in in the example of Minecraft, that's an example of engaging content because, well, first of all, there is still instant gratification in Minecraft, mm-hmm. but it's engaging content because it is. They're getting a dopamine hit from the creativity. And well, the they can build. And yes. They can actually build in the, where you don't have sand, real sandboxes anymore. Like the houses William and Darcy have shown yeah. me through are incredible and they've spent hours building it crazy stuff and i was like this is unreal she built a palace or something once i was like that's beautiful it is and they even said what would you like in your room what color would you like your bed level of detail that she went in and it was it was actually really cool Hmm. it's amazing and then and then it brings me on to combat violence shooting okay Mm. i'll accept mario and mario kart even though, what do you do in Mario? 
well, you can die from things touching you yeah. or hitting you. You have to jump on turtles. You have to jump on mushrooms. Oh, but, you know, it's cute. It just goes squeak, 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 right? But Design. it's still violent. There's something there trying to kill you, yeah. right? You're having to save a princess from a big turtle that's got spikes on its back that breathes fire, right, with a name that sounds like a petrol station implement, you know, Bowser, right? So there's a sense of hero's quest with violence, but the violence is kind of cutified. Yes. Right? It's still violent. Yeah. And then, so that's okay, but Call of Duty, you know, okay, it's not cutified at all. Call of Duty is getting very, I haven't played it yet, but I've seen some people play it. It's getting as real as you'd probably want to when it comes to actual combat within a war zone, man on man, not just sort of dropping bombs from a, from a distance. So there's blood, there's, there's all of that. Um, and then you've got Fortnite, which is combat, but there's no, there's no blood. But it's all about, especially if you're playing solo, it's you versus 99 other people dropped into one thing and the last person standing wins. So, um, and I got, I thought to myself, how is this, especially from, you think of it from an ascension and a, and a vibration point of view, what is it that we're tapping into? What is it that we're learning? What is it that's, that's going on? And I thought to myself, well, is this okay? And then I looked at, well, when I was playing games, I mentioned at the top of the show, Street Fighter, knocking the snot out of each other. <laughs> it was either you and someone else with a controller or you against the computer. Gaming from inception has always been that way. And the reason it's been that way and the reason it's been successful, and I'm only talking about a larger niche, there's obviously other stuff that exists outside of it is because intrinsically we are very curious as a race, as a human species around violence and aggression. And so let's go back to when our parents were kids and there were no video games. Yeah. What did they do? It was cowboys and Indians now, wasn't it? What did that involve? <laughs> Two people, one with a bow and arrow and the other one with a gun. Yeah. So what the progression has been, and if you sit there in judgment and go, you can't do it, it's too violent. Well, if you could play cowboys and Indians and not turn out to be a murderer, mm. then your kids are going to be okay. And it's, the thing that is a defining factor there is emotional intelligence and human connection. So if you can because navigate yeah, your kids. yeah, And guess what? I can be in the presence of a gun and not kill someone. Yeah. I am not in the presence of a gun. <laughs> but if yes. I was, I wouldn't get the sudden urge to kill everyone because no. there's a level of healthy emotional development. There's a level mm. of human connection. There's a level of, um, well, safe development. Well, so yeah. it's, it's not the exposure to that turns you into a sociopath or a murderer. Mm. It is your human development, relational safety, and how that amplifies in the development of your brain and your mind because the same could be said about knives. 
it would be like saying, well, you can't. Well, no household safe then. No, no, no <laughs> one's safe then. No, no so, kitchen. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you there. Because there's there's a curiosity that as a and I'm not talking specifically person to person to person because we're all different. As a general species, we are curious about death. We are curious about a safe way to explore violence. And that's why it's always been there, you know. Um, so probably, if you're... probably, I don't know how I reconcile that phrase, a safe way to explore violence. The word, But that could be a me thing. I'm feeling a resistance in my body to the word violence. However. What's combat? It's. Yeah. If if, if you're okay with Mario, right, what's the premise of the game? The the premise of the game is to defeat everything that's out there to stop you from saving your princess. Oh, my gosh. Now this is just spiraling into the human conditioning to win. (laughs) But, yes, I mean, that that as as, as well. So, like, especially for younger kids. And then I grappled with it as well because, again, in a specific world – or in specifics, Minecraft is suitable for kids, especially William's age, who's eight. Fortnite's recommended for 13 and over. Mm-hmm. But anyone at any age can play it. And so I was there going, oh, how do I do this? But he was, he'd already started playing it and he was very much into it. And I was hoping it was just going to be a passing phase and he'd move on to something else and it stuck. And... Um, I find that when when he's playing it, he enjoys winning, loves winning. He's, at the start, used to get pretty upset when he lost, especially if you get sort of um, taken out from someone you don't see. Yeah. Right? And things like that. And it's that emotional regulation. But when we play together, and this is the thing that I'm going to sort of be drumming home as to why – I have chosen this way is because I'm helping him navigate and understand his emotions while doing it. We play together. He plays by himself. When we play together, there's also this real dynamic where in the game, he's kind of the dad figure and I'm just the the five-year-old running around going, what do I do? I'm the absolute noob, right? And this it allows this almost role playing where he gets to express, Dad, I'd really like to take care of you in this situation. Welcome to my world. I'll let you in, and we'll yeah. play together. Gives him but a sense soon, of authority as well. Yeah, which is and powerful. he's and he's learning how to, you know, because the way he learned was to just scavenge everything, take everything. There's a real lack mindset in these games, which is what makes people fight each other as well. Because if there's mm. if there's so, if there's something for everyone, there wouldn't be a, a problem. But he's learning there how to share in this. Much of a game. What's that? <laughs> there also wouldn't be much of a game if there exactly. was Exactly. Yeah, it, it, you don't have to yeah. try for anything. It's all here. Yeah, let's let's, let's all go and ride a flat roller coaster, shall we? That'll be yeah. exciting. That's what yeah. we want. Um and so when we have that together, we get to talk about it separately. And we also have times where I'll say to him, because especially you think about school holidays, 
where you've got kids at home, you've got stuff to do. You're either taking time off work or you're working from home or you're doing something. You need them to take care of themselves. Mm. Um, that's that's going to that's gonna pop up. But you can also sort of say, okay, guys, tomorrow, and you can still, you know, again, I, I did this. This is one example. We'll be playing today, tonight on this game, but tomorrow what we're going to do is we're not going to touch any of this until five o'clock tomorrow night once we go to bed. Yeah. And what we're going to do during that day is we're going to go out and do a few things that, yeah, might be boring, but I have to do it. Mm-hmm. So I've still got things to do. We'll go play tennis because William really wanted to start playing tennis and then we'll do a couple of other things, but we'll know we'll all get together and we'll play at five o'clock and then if I want to dip out and do something else, I can continue playing whatever it is. You can structure it around it. But I like what you said before. It's almost like if your kids are prone to gaming, let them, but be involved at the start so you can get that connection because without that connection, any correction is impossible. Now, with, with William, if I go up to him and say, mate, turn it off, it's instant. Yep. Because totally. I know, because I know that. But also that it, you're not depriving him of connection when he turns it off either, which mm. is so big. And this is why I say setting those boundaries and having expectations is so important early on. And honestly, you've, you've used the phrase a few times about using screens as a babysitter. It's honestly, most of the time it's us. It's us who puts an addictive substance in the hands of a child while simultaneously saying, I can't connect with you, so connect with this instead. Well, we have so much other stuff that we need to do. We need to yeah, be a parent. We need to work. We, 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 we need to navigate our own difficult relationships. We need to navigate our healing. Yeah. And then absolutely. it's all like, and then on top of that, we, we get no downtime. <laughs> so, totally. And, 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 and that's I, why we use it. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it's so understandable that we do, but we. Mm. We don't get to do that with our head in the sand. If we're going to do that, we need to also be human and courageous enough to turn and look at the consequences of the action of doing that. And I think mm. that's so important. So if we, I'm conscious of the time. So I'm, yeah. oh, this is such a rich conversation. I think there's so much more that we could talk about. But I want to well, talk a little bit about um, if you are a parent and you are in this position what are some strategies that people can use to maybe address it or navigate it themselves and my number one thing is always open communication so for me uh, I was really fortunate to have the influence of an incredible parent-child interaction therapist and they really really honed my skills around talking openly with my kids completely non-judgmentally but purely from a place of understanding their experience. Mm. So like what you were saying about understanding why they are staying up late, well, it's because that's when their friends are online and that's when these things are happening. So having Mm. open communication where it's safe for them to express what they're doing and why they're doing it and what their thought pattern is around it or if it does feel out of control for them and they're scared because they don't want to be gaming 24-7 but they can't stop thinking about it or Mm. whatever it might be, 
If there's no open communication or if it's not safe for them to express freely without fear of repercussion or fear of it being of being gaslit or being thrown back in their face, then say goodbye to it. That's yeah. the first thing. Yeah, and and this is where I also see a bit of give and take as well. Like as, as a parent, if I'm worried about my kid gaming, the only thing that comes out of my mouth about gaming is it's bad it's crap, you're doing too much of it, you're being irresponsible, you're not doing your stuff, you know, you, you it's all negative, right? Mm. And so immediately the, the, uh, they're never going to listen to you. Try this. When you sit down and talk to them, they'll probably roll your eyes at you or something like that, but just sort of say, what is one thing that I can do to help you or make your gaming a better experience? Wow, right? a lot. I can even feel myself being challenged by that. Yeah, now, now, and it's sort of like, but what are you? What are you going to give away, right? Now, suddenly they're going, "What? Who are you? You're supposed to be the grumpy person that has nothing to do with this, and all I have to do, you're something I have to manage mm. to get what I need." Now, suddenly you turn around and go, "Well, what's one thing I can do to support it?" Yeah, and they'll and they'll be like, "Wow." Name one kid that won't say, oh, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> All right. So it could be as simple as, okay, if they're running on a PC, is there a piece of uh, equipment on your PC I can upgrade? Guarantee there would be. If they're playing on a console, do you need a new controller? If, they're, uh, if, you, if they've got everything and you, you, don't, you can't afford it, can I give you one night where you decide when to go to bed? And the kid will go, Pooh, I, what? But they're listening. I'm, I'm doing that right yeah. now. Yeah. I'm, I'm really yeah. curious to where the thought pattern goes with this. Okay. And then go, I want to help you with that, but I'd like you to do something for me. And that can be whatever it is that you're trying to do through connection, right? If I help you with this, I'd really like you to sit down and spend time with me to talk about the game and what is that you're doing. I want you to open up a little bit to me, mm. right? So you're in, you're enticing them out of the shell. Right about now, and I'm not going back to, to Mario things or Mario sort of style, but when you are dealing with a tortoise with its head in its shell, you're going nowhere. They need to come out and listen to you because how many times have you looked at your child and they're just waiting for your mouth to shut up? You're talking, they're listening, but they're not, they're not bringing it in. You flip the table on it. You got, and so for me, it's going to be how can you lean into it? Because mine's a fairly aggressive lean into gaming, which is I'm leaning into it to the point where I'm playing with them. Mm. And so if you, because not everyone's going to have the time to do that, nor the interest to do that. But if you can sort of say to them, and this is where you can sort of say, what is something I can do to support it? Okay, I will do that for you, but I need you, I'd like to talk to you and set a plan on how we can introduce responsibility around your gaming when it comes to hygiene, getting up or something, right? It's that sort of, can I help you and then you help me and then we can 
create this connection, which is not all around being, as a child, being bashed over the head about how shit I am because all I want to do is get this, all I want to do is sit in front of my computer or console or whatever it is. And it's that mm. carrot. It, it would, it's, like it's getting that connection to get them to open up a little bit more. Because once you yeah. can start to crack that open, and it doesn't have to be a massive thing. I need to sit with that a bit more. I hear what you're saying and I see merit in it. I'd like to sit with it a bit more. Maybe, I don't know, if we revisit it in another episode because the, the red flag that comes up for me is it's not real connection. It's an exchange. It's conditional. And I know it, you're, you're suggesting it's a starting point, but that's the risk. The risk is it's not genuine connection. They're doing it so that there's benefit for them and it's yeah. it's in exchange, like it's conditional on. Well, yeah, you, you're right because, you know, it's a bit like fishing. you got to put the bait at the end of the hook, right? Yeah. So unless you actually get in and swim with the fishes, that's one way to catch it, which is yeah, what I'm absolutely. doing, right? And, the and the other way, if, if you don't want to get wet, I think you something, dro- you got to drop yeah. the rod in. Something that you said. Exactly. If you don't want to get wet. And I think the thing that is the hardest for me in my work is so many people and particularly parents, so many people will avoid doing the thing through self-preservation because it's uncomfortable for them to do it. And I am, Mm. this is me, I really want to be able to game with my kids. I do not enjoy it. Not only do I not enjoy it, I actually feel a stress response in my body doing it. It is Mm. so far out of my comfort zone. I get frustrated easily and I find it really hard. But when I'm I'm faced with the question, would you rather protect your discomfort or prioritise your child's connection, your child's Mm. development, your child's future? Well, then I've just got to suck eggs, don't I? And this is me. This is my real life. And this is relevant to me right now. I really don't like gaming. I, Mm. even as a child, and I I haven't joined the dots yet. I'm not, I don't understand where this comes from for me fully yet. But even as a child, I was, I detested gaming. And my brother was would game. He would play a lot of console games and I was always outside. But I'm not sure why that happens for me and I'm not sure what it brings up for me. I haven't worked through yeah, that okay. yet. But my son mirrors this to me because I know and I can see the benefit of doing what you're doing. Mm. But now, I, and which is why I think my default was always get off that. But I'm not. Oh, afraid. okay. I'm, yes, yes, if yes. he gets off it, I avoid the. You feel better, and I feel better. And then you got society saying, "I'm a better mom if you have the least <laughs> amount of screen time." Yes. Whoa. And I get validated for it. <laughs> so, so it's yeah. not only this. This is what I mean. It's so deep. It's not only this, but it's about going. And this is you can swap this for anything. Mm. Would you rather protect yourself from doing and facing that hard thing that's uncomfortable for you, or would you rather? have a child who feels like they matter, a child who feels like their interests Mm. are important to you, a child who feels close and connected to you. Because do you know what I'll do in the next breath? I'll go, YG, come for a walk with me. 
Why? Because I want to go for a walk and I want to feel close to him and I want to connect with him and I want him to come to the thing that I want to do and I want yeah. him to come and do it with me. And he's like, and I don't want to walk. That's a massive you on first. So it's either how play. Self, how self-centered is that? Yeah. It's like play a game or go for a walk. Like we're not even in the same ballpark. <laughs> no. I don't think we're in the same damn suburb. Yeah. We're on two different islands at this point. We are. And so this is the thing. We are all self-centered beings. Mm. We have to be. It's self-preservation at its finest. Mm. But let me, I'll I'll raise that question again. To me, even for myself, I'm not calling out anyone else right now. I am absolutely preaching and calling out myself Mm. right now. If it resonates for you, then receive it. Mm. But asking that question, what's more important? Is it more important that you feel comfortable and just do the things that you like and that (laughs) or is your relationship with them more important and knowing that that connection that connection particularly in Mm. their early life that reaps rewards for the rest of their lives you are literally building their brains and building their nervous system through the connection that you have now Mm. so whatever they're interested in even like i've done it with other things i've been able to get into pokemon cards and i've been able to get into other stuff beyblade was a really big one my husband and i went out and spent like 300 bucks on the best blade so we could have these so all those things i've been able to connect with him at the level of his interest but the screens and the gaming it's a Big whole new barrier. level. And I, and I tell you Big what, William was the same thing. We've got God knows how many Pokemon cards in this house mm-hmm. and it was a phase. It was a season. It was a very yeah. quick season. But it was an expensive <laughs> storm. Yeah. Um, Beyblades as, as well. Um, we would um, challenge and all of that. But gaming is on the next level. Yeah. And I'm someone who's got decent hand-eye coordination. I don't. But I'm, I'm not a patch on these kids. Yeah. And here's the thing. I, when I play, I play to win and I generally only play things that I know I'm going to get be, be good at. Yeah. And um, I'm neither of those at the moment. I'm getting better yeah. with, with, with practice. But as a, as a parent, think of it this way. And this was drummed into me when I was a kid. TV rots your brain. Um, if you're watching TV or you're doing something, none of it's productive. You're not learning anything. You're basically, you're, you're being, it's a waste of, waste of time. When it comes to social media and online, you're basically, the reason that's so bad is because you're never going to learn how to get real connection from real people in the real world. So you've got to get your ass out of the chair and yourself outside into the real world. Yeah. Now, what I say to all of those things, when the TV was around in my day. There was not a lot to learn from unless it was a cheeky documentary now and again. YouTube is now the second largest search engine on the internet. Mm. And a lot of the stuff on there is going to be entertainment and how-to. Yeah. So if you're on YouTube, you can be learning something. Yep. Right? When it comes to understanding how gaming works, whether you like it or not, there is a pathway to a career if you're good at it. Just like, and you know, not the money's not the same, but let's revisit this conversation in 15 years. Is the money going to be the same compared to a supreme sports athlete to an e-sports athlete? Mm-hmm. Well, 
And that's only, that's only 15 years. Go back 15 years, what did we have? Right? So the exponential curve is going bananas, right? So you think to yourself, what economy or what world are your kids going to be going into when they leave the nest? And when they leave that nest, are they going to be prepared for the onslaught or the potential onslaught of technology getting further ingrained, deeper? I could all I could almost imagine, and I might be speaking well out of my intelligence grade and well out of my sort of educational grade, but you could imagine in the future, kids that aren't exposed enough to technology will have a traumatic response or a traumatic response to too much technology. Yeah. In a world that is adopting technology at an alarming rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, absolutely. and all you've got to do with that is just look at examples of older people when they get a smartphone and the overwhelm that, that comes about. Huge. They haven't grown up with it or haven't been exposed to it. Mm. Um, and it's, it's very similar for us, which I think is why. I find it's a very interesting conversation around the use of chat GPT or the use of AI in education. Metaverse. In, well, in and assignments <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, Dave, this is such a rabbit hole and I know we could talk forever. I want to come oh. back to some of these things. This is going to feel like an absolute racetrack, but my, my practical steps would be open communication, Mm-hmm. set clear limits so have some clear and consistent rules about screen time whether that is you can have it for during these hours or um it might be using parental controls on devices or whatever it might be um <laughs> this is a big one leading by example so how do you escape how do you model your relationship with screens and this is something my husband is calling me out on a lot um which is an ongoing conversation for us because well, I you, know use that, your, you use your screens for, for, for work, but the kids yes, are going to go, they well, don't know that. you're on a screen. You're on a phone. And... Exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's really important for us to have some non-screen activities. Like even we went on a big trip over Christmas and we drove for four days and didn't have screens at all. So that was wow, huge. Wow. And our kids were like running around, playing, laughing together, drawing, Brilliant. reading, doing, and they were really close and really connected. Um, it would have been easier for us to use screens, absolutely. 100%. But providing alternatives is the next thing. So offering mm. some other activities that they enjoy, engaging them in other things related to their hobbies or related to their interests that doesn't involve screens. Um, educating or modeling balance. So having uh, a lot of the time I'll say to parents, I'll go, oh, so when do you model your healthy balance between work Mm. life, social life, health? And they're like, well, I don't. I don't have to. I'll go, okay, so do you think that might be important? Start modeling that. Mm. Um, I choose to go to Pilates even though that means that my, my kids are aware. Sometimes I'm away from the home because I'm at Pilates. That's important to me. I want to model that to them because I want them to know that fitting things like that into their life is a priority. Mm. Um, I would say encourage social connections, whether that is depending on age, pre-adolescence is more important with caregivers, parents and caregivers, although that's important at any age. But in particular, um, 
especially as they're coming into adolescence, finding some ways to socialise in peer groups, um, you know, group outings, holidays is a really cool one, youth groups, those kinds of things can be really helpful. Having a supportive environment. We've spoken about the importance of a supportive environment both at home and what we just spoke about, about avoiding like the punitive punishment side of things is really Mm. important. Um, Monitoring content is another big one. I see this quite a lot about going, okay, you can game, but we're going to have transparency around that. So maybe no TVs or screens in the bedroom, but you can, it's, it's in our communal space so that there's not that secrecy behind it. There's not the shame that builds up around hiding. Um, That can be a really powerful thing as well. And a gradual reduction, just like coming off anything. I mean, going cold turkey on anything has huge withdrawals, but a gradual reduction is just going to ease you into it. So thinking about how you can, tying that back into the open communication, how can you actually start reducing things, but remembering anything that you reduce, you have to fill the gap. So what are you filling it with in a meaningful Mm. way? But that's and that's difficult because I've got you know I see examples of I know we're running on running on running on but you know um, a nineteen year old that if you're responsible for always filling the gaps yeah it's like well I can't be it's all like when when do you start filling your own gaps um, I love all of those all those suggestions but it's the connection 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 if you're watching this because you've got a severe mm-hmm issue with gaming if your solution does not involve you number one understanding gaming number two getting involved or number three showing an interest yeah then you've got everything ash says is basically correction and there's no connection doesn't even say i want you to come with me so that we can we can spend time together no that's Mm -hmm. still correction that's not connection you want to connect with them connect with them on their level. Are you the adult? Are you the older? Are you the older person? Come down to their level. Yeah, it might feel difficult. It might feel unfair. It might feel ridiculous. It might feel unreasonable. It might feel all of those things. But at the end of the day, if you want to connect with them, then you have to connect with them on what is most important to them right now. And whether yeah. they like it or not, it's a, it's it's going to be, especially with this show, it's around gaming. You can't connect with them if you've got an issue to try and talk to them outside of it. It is the quickest, fastest way to connection. I agree and I disagree. I disagree in the sense that there's been many times where my son's been kicking and screaming, not wanting to do something, but once he's there, he loves it and he enjoys it and he wants to do it again. So But would you put your would you put your son in a in a thing like imagine you're a parent watching this? Mm-hmm. where you've got uncontrollable gaming. It's either like they will be a reasonable human being if not they're Not leaving the house, not engaging in anything else, that their whole entire life revolves around the game. I'm talking to that totally, person. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think that's an important distinction. I yeah, think like really I'm not, and look, I'm doing these things where I don't have that problem with my kids. I'm just using it as a way. It's simply, I, I don't know how I fell into this. I was drawn, I was called into doing this because yeah. I cannot stress this enough, guys. The last time I actually spent more than, you know, a couple of hours playing a game, I was 14. Yeah. And it's only recently I've been called, I've been called into it, maybe to talk about it. 
maybe to offer a different perspective, maybe to sort of go, the only way to actually defeat the beast is to get into the belly of the beast. Yeah. As opposed <laughs> to stand it. back, right? Oh, man, I know this episode's gone a bit longer than our normal episodes, but it's, uh, I, hope, I hope you agree that it's been a rich discussion and a lot of the things we've spoken about you can, you can extrapolate and apply to so many other areas of life, mm. so many other behavioural traits, so many other addictions. So we hope this has been a meaningful, helpful conversation and please reach out if uh, we, we yeah. would love to love to drop actually comments. hear from you in, yeah, in the chat because mm. I even in real time I was really open about what I felt in terms of resistance in my body and and challenging certain conversations so if if that is coming up for you we'd love to hear from you there's no such mm. thing as a wrong um, opinion there's no such thing as anything but we just want to hear your perspectives and connect with you on that level so yeah join and if us you dis- and if you disagree with some of the stuff that we're saying the the core principle of is that how are you going to connect with a child properly right it's not it's not how you connect with them how are you going to get them to connect to you yeah yeah. And so that's at the core of it. We're just given some, and some ideas. Because it's not about the connection we put out. It's about their receiving of that connection. So I Absolutely. can I can be doing all the right connecty things, but if the person isn't feeling connected to me, then it's all in vain. It's all just Absolutely. washes down the sink. So it's either get wet or get a fishing rod. <laughs> Catch the fish. <laughs> all right, sounds good. That's a good one. All right, Thanks, Ash. Thanks, massive, Jay. massive one. Catch you next week. Bye-bye.